How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Barely There Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Barely There Pod. Sure to subscribe, review wherever uh, you listen to the podcast. Probably not Google Play because uh, Google Play is shit. Um, I'm joined here with Lucas Freddy. You can follow him on Twitter at Lucas Freddy46. Of course, as always, I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at that pod guy, Duke. And Lucas, right before we get in here, I just want to make a note of this because it's very significant, especially in the Chicago sports world that we work in. Um, longtime Bears beat writer John Mullen uh, passed away the other day. Um, he was fighting pancreatic cancer. Um, this is a guy who had worked, you know, a little bit everywhere in Chicago over decades. You know what I mean? I think it was over 30 years. Um, he worked with the Daily Herald, the Chicago Tribune. NBC Sports Chicago. Um, he ended up passing away at 74 years old. Um, and all you got to do is look on Twitter if you're a Chicago sports fan, and uh, you'll see the outpouring amount of stories, love, and uh, support that uh, John Mullen got. He really left an impact on the uh, Chicago sports world. He's somebody that a lot of people looked up to. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's it's very unfortunate. He, uh, he left behind a great career. Yeah, Duke, I think you said it all. I don't need to – add too much obviously it's a tough loss for Chicago Bears fans um I'm one that is not too high on a lot of Chicago radio shows but uh Molly was one that I did enjoy so um you know tragic pancreatic cancer is a bitch I had a almost like my second mom passed a pancreatic cancer recently it's this you know it's like the fucking worst of the worst so um cancer sucks dude I think we all know that yeah cancer is certainly one that is uh <clears throat> really awful but anyway, I uh, just wanted to get that off the top. Um, he will be greatly missed and uh, a pioneer in the Chicago sports world. But anyway, moving forward, uh, Lucas. It what is are we talking favorite, about first, Duke? It is, it's, it's our favorite time of the year once again. Like my favorite time of the year, the most exciting time of the year of Chicago Bears sports. The time between mini camp and training camp, like literally the best. Um, Jeez, where do we even start? Um, the Chicago Bears just announced their training, uh, their training camp schedule. So a lot of people, uh, PTOs, are going to fly through the roof immediately. Um, well, be sure. go ahead. There is an update to that, though, because if you had an issue getting onto, um, getting into training camp before, there is no limit to their capacity now, or at least, like, there's no um, – I think last year they did some kind of sign-up where you had to be in a lottery, and then if they selected you to come for, for COVID reasons – um, so I was one that didn't win any of the lottery tickets and I saw many people going to all eight sessions or however many they had open to the public, um, not to shout out anyone specifically, but I was, uh, I was a little upset about that cause I could not get a hold of any tickets. The one day I was able to go to, it was like, yeah, no, everyone's, everyone's going. So, um, kind of sucks, but nice that that's, that's, um, that's changing and, you know, knock on wood, it looks like we're almost out of whatever, pandemic type issues we were in before yeah and i mean from kind of what from what i gathered from it because last year it was definitely really strict on um you had to have a ticket there was really like they weren't giving out any more than the people they wanted to show up and even if people didn't show up you know it was kind of tough whereas this year they're gonna give like everyone the opportunity to get there um i'm assuming they'll eventually decline people at the door it'll like hit a point where if it's getting over capacity they're not gonna be able to take everyone but um it's going to be more or less like a first come first serve type deal. Is so, it in um, Lake Forest or is it there some at Soldier Field? I know they're probably going to have like family day at Soldier Field. Yeah, which no, I'll be able to beat everyone fucking there. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we'll actually be able to re- walk right over because I'm oh, dude, just... thinking about going to that myself. Yeah, no, um, if there's anything at Soldier Field, you're welcome to to stay stay over and and park because they, they lock down the neighborhood. Like that neighborhood you came into, they completely lock it down with police. And if you don't have an ID, there's many times where I ran to get a like Culver's or something stupid like that before a game, and I was coming back and I got held up because I'm like, dude, I forgot my wallet. Like I was, I use Apple Pay. Like, give me a break, right? Like, I don't have my ID on me. Some of like the pregame bowl. culvers just to uh just to just sit on yeah. sit on the bowl for the entire halftime show. I'll still argue to this day. I lived in California. I've had Whataburger. I've had In and Out. Culvers has the best burger out of any fast food joint. Um, and to me, it's not even close. There's a Freddy's too. I think is a place too that's pretty damn good. It's almost like a less franchised steak and shake. I guess you would say with the smash burgers. That's pretty damn good. And they got like really thin fries. But enough of us being just complete fat fox um, yeah no um <clears throat> geez where was i gonna go from there well um, i actually could start off with something because now that it is the season of fucking nothing to talk about we well nice before, before this let me answer your question just so everyone at home knows it is at house hall and lake forest it's gonna be through july 26th august 21st after august 21st that's when they're gonna start kind of cracking down and having the more uh the more like private practices or closed practices per se you know where they really start driving in the uh the game plan but anyway uh go ahead lucas i just want to make sure that uh everyone knew that yeah so all right um now it's there's nothing to talk about and we have like three or four quality players on offense now we're now comparing two of those quality players against each other something that's kind of been a reoccurring theme um in the offseason i understand the quinn stuff because if he's not coming to camp and he, he wants to be on a contender like we can entertain that we will later in the show but like this montgomery versus herbert shit is fucking insane like First of all, you're arguing to not re-sign him next year. That's fine. I've I've been on record saying you can go either way, but from a leadership perspective, I really do think Montgomery would take a team-friendly deal. It wouldn't kill you, um, and he'd be a good person to have for an extra couple of years while Justin Fields is developing. That being said, this graphic that came out, and I got no gripes with Chicago Football Connection. I actually think they're a pretty decent account, um, but they put up this graphic. Okay, yards per carry. 3.8 versus 4.2 um, PFF offensive grade, which I fucking hate PFF. This is clearly a PFF thing. Very, very anti PFF podcast, by the way. Essentially it's saying Herbert is. Yeah. It says essentially it's saying Herbert. I don't want to list every stat. It's saying Herbert is better in every category, which yes, he did have y- more yards per carry, but just look at the differential yards uh, after contact per attempt. 2.83 for Herbert, 2.53 for David Montgomery, which is, it's a pretty significant difference between the two. But when you go and look at pro football reference, it's 1.9 versus 1.8 in Montgomery's favor. So like, how do you have that much of a discrepancy? And this is like just a disclaimer for all PFF stats. Not only are they, they've created their own stats, which I think is cool. Like, like those uh, big throw attempts and stuff like that. Like, it's all a really cool idea. And I like them trying to get into more of that advanced statistic stuff, but how the fuck are you off by that much? I mean, we're talking about a full yard after contact for Khalil Herbert is the difference between them and pro football reference. I'm sorry, but I'm always going to defer to pro football reference because they've been keeping stats for longer than I've been alive. And as soon as the internet became popular and sports internet became popular, they uploaded their whole fucking database onto there. So like, I'm going to take their word for it and say they're at 1.9 and 1.8. And if you look at the whole NFL, dude, 
like Jonathan Taylor uh, and and some of the top rushing or running backs and yards after contact were nowhere near like we're, we're talking they're maxing out at three yards after contact per carry. So well, to I, me, it's like, how are these two guys right up there with the tops in the league when they weren't getting the opportunities? And then you look at the, the stats being skewed. Like the thing that bothers me the most is that yards before contact, David Montgomery's at 1.9. Khalil Herbert's at 2.4. Yards after contact, 1.9 to 1.8. Duke, where's the difference in that 0.4? Well, yards before contact, David Montgomery was hit 0.5 yards before contact more. You know what I mean? So a half a yard before contact more. Lucas, I, I respect the argument that you're making, and I respect like how much detail you went into. Everything you said is correct, especially when it comes to the bro, uh, pro football reference. If you're looking to um, PFF before PFR, when you uh, look up anything regarding a player, you're making a big mistake, and you probably don't know how to actually read into stats outside of uh, what somebody tells you about. What kills me about this entire thing? is this is like dating a girl for a year and already getting like the idea of what house you're going to buy down the road. You know what I mean? Before like anything else has even happened. We've only seen Cleo Herbert for one year. We've only seen him in limited action. Like I really like Cleo Herbert. It, it, there is a chance that Cleo Herbert could end up pushing David Montgomery out if he were to, you know, really play out of his mind this year. But we haven't seen enough from him yet to start having these discussions. You know, everybody says it's never too early to have a discussion like this. It's way too fucking early to have a discussion like this. David Montgomery has been far more proven in 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 this on this team in this city than uh, Cleo Herbert, and that's just plain and simple. And until we see any sort of giant changing of the guard outside of Cleo Herbert going in fret with fresh legs, not expected to start. Um, being able to run compared to a guy like uh, David Montgomery, who's really just been an absolute mauler, you know, absolute battler, breaking tackles for the Chicago Bears, you know, regardless of who's blocking in front of him. We can't say definitively that Khalil Herbert's better than him just based on some stats. I'm sorry. That's just not going to play with me. Well, um, you know, I, it kind of goes back to um, when everyone fell in love with Jeremy Langford when uh when matt forte got injured and everyone was like yo dude jeremy langford's the the future you know what i mean like he had this like huge run where he just looked phenomenal and then we end up getting rid of Matt forte and we start with jeremy langford and he doesn't make it out of the season as a starter like he didn't even make it on the team the next year following uh the year he was supposed to take over so the rise of jordan howard baby and jordan so howard like that's that's the thing that kind of drives me nuts about this time of the year, because we get arguments like this that are just, there's no business having it. You know what I mean? That's like, that's like comparing um, yards per completion with like Drew Brees and Jameis Winston a couple years ago when Jameis Winston threw like six passes compared to Drew Brees is like three, 300, 400 passes. You know what I mean? It's a stupid comparison. Like, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not there for me yet. Cleo Herbert. I've, I've gone on other podcasts that we have done and discussed about how I think he has kind of a Clinton Portis type mold, but like, I'm not ready to sit here and crown him as anything yet. Other than a guy with a lot of promise, kind of similar to like Darnell Mooney's second year in the league. Like we couldn't go into Darnell Mooney year two and be like, Oh, this guy's a bona fide number one. Now, after two years, I feel really comfortable about Darnell Mooney being a number one while other people are still kind of, you know, on the fence about that. But regardless, we just have not seen enough. So, like, when I see arguments like this, I, like, purposely ignore them because nothing is going to be found out today. It's not going to be found out tomorrow. We'll know probably probably about, like, week 10, week 12 of uh, where the Bears are going to be looking at running back next year. Or maybe well, we won't. And, and I want to give a problem to have. Yeah, and I want to give a shout-out to Rise Dieter because that's that was ex his exact quote tweet. Um, he said Khalil Herbert is the next Jeremy Langford. So I was like, wow, that's uh, that's funny that you brought that up.
Um, never heard of this kid before. Did not see that tweet, but uh, good good reference. He, he quote tweeted it, yeah, and I was like, wow, that's fucking hit the nail on the head there, Duke. But honestly, I, I just feel like, and and if you look into the advanced stats even more, not I hate cherry picking stats in general. How many more carries did Dave Montgomery get with fourth and one to go? Like, uh, you know, fourth and two to go. Like, you're you're talking about. Anytime you watch the game, and and I'll preface this with saying I really like Khalil Herbert, and I do think he's a better system fit, but I think Montgomery with his leadership transcends scheme, to be honest. Like, I I think there's not that much of a difference between inside zone and outside zone runners, to be honest, um, in the first place. And I just feel like Montgomery is going to transcend scheme. He's leadership. I mean, we've seen him for years here. We're talking about, you know, he's like, for all the people that say – uh, what does he say? For all the watch the tape crowd, you don't don't forget to subscribe. And he puts Khalil Herbert's highlight tape that he made in all 22. I'm like, this is not objective. Like getting the best plays of Khalil Herbert, put them up against the best mm-hmm. plays against David Montgomery and compare the two. You know what I mean? Um, it's just well, insane at least, to me that at you least it wasn't that... like a at least it wasn't like a three second clip of him like uh, throwing like a two yard pass like Nick Foles. I didn't see any pass protection snaps in there. I didn't see any like Dave Montgomery's a far better fucking receiver. And it's not even close in terms of ball skills, route running, um, pass protection, all that stuff. Like he's a three down back. Khalil Herbert's just going to get you on one and two. Now, are you going to trust pass run pass rushing responsibilities? Say you want to fast forward this and everything goes the way you want. If you're in the trade damp, Dave Montgomery camp, who are you going to have run pass pro for you? In, in on third downs, like who is going to be your third down pass pro back? It's not going to be Khalil Herbert. He he showed he wasn't cut from that cloth. Do you want a rookie to try to take over that responsibility? Like, why would you want to take one of your strengths and pick it apart? It just makes no sense. You want to well, compare fucking our terrible offensive lineman? I'm totally okay with that. Well, you know, people are so ready to recycle running backs in the first place, and uh, that's what kind of kills me about the trade rumors. Is like if you don't value running backs in the first place, what makes you think that you're ever going to get what you think a David Montgomery is worth? You know what I mean? Like, do you think he's worth like a fifth or sixth round pick? Because I, I think it's you're you're better off just keep, keeping him on the roster at that point. You know what I mean? Like everyone is so ready to ship out a guy like that at a position that nobody respects where it's like, dude, I'd rather just get a great year out of this. Make sure Khalil Herbert, like if we're going to go down that route, make sure Khalil Herbert is that guy before we decide that we're going to get rid of David Montgomery. We don't know Khalil Herbert is that guy. I'm not saying he can't be, you know, I, like I've said, I'm a big Khalil Herbert guy. I liked it. I love David Montgomery as well, but like we have to see that before we can move on like from the other guy, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what drives me crazy is everyone's so ready to move on from proven production at the idea of production. You know what I mean? You know who had that same uh, thought process was Matt Nagy. So that's what, that's where your thinking is. Jordan Howard, only pro bowler on the offense, only guy that produced. Uh, He doesn't fit the scheme. So we're going to go ahead and trade him. That's I think you're, you're that. I'm just letting you know, if that's your line of thinking, you are, um, you are thinking, your thinking is aligned with Matt Nagy. I'm just, that's exactly what happened. Well, and I, I think it's kind of aligned with like guys who play a little too much fucking Madden and think that that's how real life is like you. Okay, cool. You can get rid of your fucking, you know, expensive running back because you can draft a guy with similar like physical aspects, but you, they don't. Yeah. You're going to play with them exactly the same, dude. That's not exactly how it works in the NFL. Like guys process things differently. Like how do we know Khalil Herbert can process, you know, a, a hole or a window or a or pass protection the same way David Montgomery can? We just we don't know that. Does he fit in uh, Luke Getzey's offense? We don't know that yet either. You know what I mean? Like there's so many questions 
Like it's not just plug and play. Like everybody thinks it is, you know, Cleo Herbert might have like a 78 overall in Madden while Dave Montgomery has an 82. And you're like, Oh, okay. I can move on from that and save money. It doesn't always work out that way. And people need to fucking realize that. Production's hard to come by, dude. And if, if we haven't seen that enough with the receivers and running game and shit like that, like it is not, it's not production. Proven production is not easy to come by and the bears need some of it. And one of the only two, attributes they have on offense and Dave Montgomery and, and Darnell Mooney are the only proven production. And even still then proof isn't great. You know, a thousand yard season, uh, Monty had a thousand yard season, but it's not like we have these, I don't know. It's just way too many question marks going into the season. Um, I think this, about getting rid of one of our only producers. I think to summarize up your entire point, Lucas is production will always be, will always be far more enticing than the potential of production. Like, 100%. That, that's yes. what people need to get past. Cause sometimes, sometimes guys just don't work. That's like the people who fall in love with every fucking pick in the first round of an NFL draft. And you have, you have to like go away from it thinking like half these guys might not be in the NFL in three years. You know what I mean? Like it's actually very... proven 50% of those guys are going to be considered bust. Maybe not three years. They might get a second one year deal, like a Barkevious Mingo or some shit like that. But that's usually reserved for top 10 guys with elite traits. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, if, if Chris Olave, who's a smaller guy, that's not necessarily the fastest guy, his game's built on route running Garfield, you know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> it, if we're uh if he has a, a terrible outing his first three years and the, and the saints drop him, like it's going to be hard for him to get onto another roster. No joke. That's how quick the NFL timeline is. So yeah. Proven production enough, is, man. Proven production is just the way to go. Um, yeah. Speaking of proven production, we should probably talk about Robert Quinn because there's some uh, there's some serious smoke to the rumors now, and I'm getting a little worried about what the Bears can actually get for him. I know we've had this conversation at length, but I'm I'm getting worried about it because he has all the leverage, and every other team has all the leverage if he doesn't want to show up. Yeah, and um, for anybody who doesn't quite know the story, um, Robert Quinn obviously has not showed up to mandatory camp. Um, that's kind of uh, really driven the uh, narrative that he potentially wants a trade. Um, there have been rumors that he has told the organization he wants to trade. Um, anytime Matt Eberflus has been asked about it, he's really brought up that's uh, that's a Ryan Poles thing. That's that's for the GM to handle. If if and when Robert Quinn comes in, then that, then I'll talk to him man to man. Um, so yes, yeah, I mean Quinn did even say. Um, in his press conference, like he was shocked that Matt got traded and that's the business side, but he wants to keep playing in Chicago. So that, I mean, his, he's one of those guys that it's like hard to correlate with the media because he's, he's not a fan of them and he doesn't talk to him too much and doesn't release too much. So I don't know, maybe he is a man of his word. Maybe he does want to be in Chicago or maybe circumstances have changed. Yeah. You know, and that's, that could be it. it something could have changed from the time that press conference was recorded to now, you know what I mean? He could have also seen a little bit of the writing on the wall, seen kind of the, uh, the philosophy that Matty Rufus is uh, preaching right now. And, you know, maybe that's not something that Robert Quinn vibes with, you know, sometimes that's just how that's kind of thing works. And, you know, who knows, Ryan Poles could have potentially, you know, came to him and been like, Hey, if you want to make a list of, guy, of teams you want to go to, we could probably make something work. And maybe that rubbed him the wrong way. Whereas, you know, when he kind of went out on a limb to say that he would want to stay in Chicago, so um, there is a lot that could go into play in it. You know, we could be spin zone, um, tinfoil hat guys at, at nauseum. 
But um, it seems like there's a very, very good chance that Robert Quinn doesn't end up being on this team moving forward, whether that's a Robert Quinn decision or Ryan Pohl's decision. Um, And while Robert Quinn does have the leverage, um, I don't think he's a guy who necessarily wants to um, really kind of play a partial year, potentially sit out a year, Um, especially at this point in his career. I think he's a guy who really wants to go play football, especially after the season he just had. And um, his value could be could be decent. You know, there could be a team. You know, that's kind of why you have to watch uh, the first few days of training camp. And that's why, like, this Robert Quinn situation could play out a little bit longer than most people would probably like is uh, polls could play the waiting game. He could wait for one of these top teams to have a guy go down. You know what I mean? Where a team is really desperate to get that elite pass rusher. Maybe a team's feeling really good coming out of training camp or going into training camp. And they're like, listen, we're like one, one or two pieces away. And this guy's just sitting in Chicago, you know, and he doesn't really want to be there. Um, so there's a lot that could play out here. I think the waiting game would be the best way to play this. Um, I don't think you want to force a trade at this point. I, if you're Ryan Poles, I don't think you're like blowing anybody's phone up. I think you're getting maybe some feelers out there, but I think you're going to want a team to come to you. And I think a team will come to you after the season that Robert Quinn had had last year, especially when it proves that his motor was not an issue on a team that wasn't winning. That's always yeah. a plus sign. And, and I and I, I have to agree on, in terms of the uh, the wait and see game. I do think that's the the best approach. Um, an injury changes his value immensely, right? Um, if he's happy and ends up playing for the Bears for the first four weeks and has five sacks, that changes things immensely in terms of leverage. Um, but right now, say say they know something we don't, and it's they need to be proactive. They need to be the one actually picking up the phone. I think there are a few targets you can go after. Um, if you look at salary caps going into next year, this is something I discovered. The Bears have the most cap next year, but if you look at their cap in 2025, it's actually absurd because they can get out of the white hair, Robert Quinn, and Eddie Jackson contracts, and they already have 20, 250 million. Obviously, that's going to change, and if you don't cut all of them, whatever, sign some guys next year, you're still going to be floating in that 100 million range, and that's even if you have a full offseason next year. So my thought process is eat. Quinn's money, prolong it on the contract and give him up to someone that doesn't have money or draft like, or necessarily the best capital. Like to me, then I think you can go ahead and just try to get a player. So I'm looking at like the new Orleans saints of the world or the Carolina Panthers. They're going to be in cap hell next year. Um, I think the saints kind of not as much, but the Panthers, depending on what happens with their GM and if they fire someone, try to come and consult. I think you can easily push uh, Robert Quinn trade there and maybe get like a Pat Eflin. Um, I just feel like if you want to be proactive, you have to find someone that's in a really, really bad shape cap wise, take one of their cap um, big cap hits off. And that's why I keep coming back to Carolina. Cause it's like Robbie Anderson's got a pretty big cap hit. You know, I wouldn't suggest uh, Christian McCaffrey, but if you're willing to take on that hit and then they can release Quinn next year for a pretty reasonable amount of money. Um, and not kill their cap. And then you take Robbie Anderson off their hands too. I think that's the way you can maximize your value. Um, But it's not going to be an easy thing to do. Like there's only a few select teams that are able to do it. I just personally, at this point in the season, like there, there's not, there's not enough, not enough on offensive line. And we kind of got into this in the group chat, but it's, it's actually to the point now where it's frightening. What, after I saw the amount of cap space they had, um, I just didn't understand why they didn't sign one true veteran starting offensive lineman. I get if you're trying to get younger, but like JC Treader was out there, Lakin Tomlinson was out there. 
Those are guys that are getting like $12 million contracts. That's not going to kill you. And it's going to give you immediate, it's not going to kill you in the future for cap space, but it's going to give you immediate protection for your biggest asset in Justin Fields. Um, it, I, I, I'm going to be honest, like it's not looking good for the offensive line. I'm worried about Tevin Jenkins. I know I said before I, I wasn't going to worry unless it got to preseason. But when you look at Jalen Johnson, he was on the twos for what, three days, two days. And that's because he missed a week of minicamp. Um, and then now he's back with the ones like Tevin Jenkins has been floating down there and you have a fifth round pick from last year and a fifth round pick from this year, both at your starting spots to end minicamp. And it's like, you would have liked to see Tevin Jenkins work himself back in um, to that starting role, whether it's on the right side. I don't even care if they put him at guard. Just like, to me, it just seems like, I don't know. It's indicating that they have big problems with Tevin Jenkins and they already have big problems on the interior. I'm just like, at this point, you've got to get something in free agency, whether it's an older veteran to come in and start for a year, whatever it is, like I'm worried about the old line. I know I kind of went from, from one thing to the other, but it's, it's no, just there's, concerning. There's a, there's a couple things I kind of want to take out of this because um, I brought up uh, a Matty Refuse quote from earlier, um, actually before we started recording the show. Um, before I jump into that though, first of all, I want to say like, I think with the Dakota Dozier injury, I think, the bears were higher on him than say the entire fan base. I don't think I know any Dakota Dozier guys out there. And Hey, if you're, if you're out there, Hey, you know, plug the chat, hit me up on Twitter and, you know, trash me. Let us know if you're a fucking Dakota Dozier guy, please. Yeah. You probably are trying to listen on Google play too. And you're failing. But, um, I think, um, I think this is a really good opportunity and I think this is something they were going to kind of look at anyway, but I could see them bringing in the training camp body. And this is something that we brought up on the last episode. Um, you know, there are some guys out still sitting out there like the Eric Flowers of the world, Eric Fisher. Um, there are there are some potential potential fills, you know, not somebody that can go in a training camp and prove what they're worth, you know. And I think that's something that they're kind of waiting on because the markets really haven't heated up for guys like that. You know, you'd think when the entire process started that a guy like Eric Fisher would already be on an NFL roster, you know, especially considering he was a former like what? first or second overall pick like he was a is kind of a big deal he won a super bowl in kansas city i believe too um that's that that was kind of a name that stuck out to a lot of people and uh eric flowers is a guy who um has really shot up a lot of people's like he's improved his opinion of himself like after every single season to fans because he couldn't have started his career on any worse of a trajectory um so i think those are like potential guys you know maybe there's people that are kind of slipping my mind i don't know if jc treader's still out there if he got he's out there He's if yeah, I, that's that's another guy I could see. I could see a guy like Lucas Patrick maybe kind of trying to bark up that tree. Um, if he's not really loving what he's seen from Sam Mustafer next to him, um, you know, because you know if you're an older veteran player in the league, you know, I think you've earned the right to go talk to your GM about like, hey, you know, what's what's the plan up here? Um, so I think with the Dakota Dozier injury, I think that really opens that door, like completely opens that door. Which it I needed think- to be open because Dakota Dozier was not the answer. Well, I think it was going to be open regardless, but I think there's going to be a hair more of urgency here. Um, I I guess I guess where I'm at, Lucas, is like I'm not ready to really jump off yet with the offensive line until we see what happens in training camp. Um, the Eberflus quote that he said the uh, that he brought up the other day really kind of instilled kind of my confidence um, with where they're thinking. Um, obviously. Matt Eberflus has been getting the Tevin Jenkins question. He's been getting like the, is this a starting offensive line question? Like how, why are you doing the rotations the way you are? And um, almost like in a little bit of an annoyed manner, he kind of finally answered that, like, like kind of detailing it 
why he's doing things the way he is. And uh, basically to uh, kind of encapsulate what he was going for is he wants his number two guys to be able to work against number ones. He wants his number one guys to be able to work against anybody on the field. He wants people to be very interchangeable. He wants people to be able to jump on the field and know exactly what they're doing. It's it's a big readiness type of program. And considering we've never seen what Matt Aberflus has done with a mini camp, this is kind of his first run of it. And he even talked about kind of being the scheduling coach now. Um, it could be a different mentality from what we've seen in the past. You know, a lot of what Matt Nagy did, what we saw in minicamp on the offensive line or at a lot of skill positions, that's who we got. But that could not be the, you know, that might not be the case moving forward. You know, I don't know if we have a legit uh, wide receiver depth chart either. You know, I don't think we have a complete idea of what we want to do out there as the opposite outside receiver to a guy like Darnell Mooney. You know, is, is, v, is, are they as high on Vailus Jones as they're saying? Like, is Vailus Jones going to be slotted in at slot or are they going to try to take him along a little bit slower? You know, we, there are a lot of questions that we have yet to be answered and they'll be answered probably within the first week of training camp. I think we'll have a lot better of an idea. Um, I, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not a little worried about Tevin Jenkins because I think everybody should be at this point, you know, because I, I really like the Jalen Johnson example that you make um, with Jalen kind of missing the first day of mini camp. And then he was working with the ones for the most part, but there there's been a lot of, like a guy like Elijah Hicks has seen time with the ones on defense. You know what I mean? Like there have been, there have been kind of a mix, you know, defensive defensive line. Like we've seen a whole cluster of different combinations up front. And that's something that I don't think we've talked about enough in the Chicago media as well. Somebody so, um, Robinson, I believe is his name, the sixth round pick from, you know, it was like a wide receiver or whatever. And a quarterback, he's been lighting it up in many camp from everything I've heard Been winning a ton of reps, but that makes me worry. Cause it's like, is this six round transition pick, really that good or are our tackles dog shit you know yeah um that makes me worry you know what i mean and, and, and i do want to preface it with i like braxton jones in terms of um what his trajectory can be i have no idea how he's going to be as a player i don't know if he's going to start I, I don't know if he's even going to play this year but just when you look at like hey what's the prototypical left tackle he kind of fits every bill uh he's athletic he's got stupid size strength arm length like all that stuff it kind of reminds me of a Toronto Armstead when he was coming out um and, and he went really late because you know he went to a small school or whatever it was um I, I just kind of feel like I, I'm optimistic but I'm not like hey I'm I'm happy with the way things are going I really like Matt Eberflus though I will say that like what you were talking about and just how he's handled the media I've watched literally every single training camp. I was playing Madden over the weekend, watched every single press conference from the inception of them getting hired uh, as in Poles and Eberflus through the end of minicamp. And I, to be honest, man, the thing that I like, you want to talk about culture building. I think Matt Eberflus is actually building the culture. Um, I, everything he talked about in his opening press conference is now being regurgitated by the players. Get your track shoes on uh, com competition, hustle, running all of that shit like all of those buzzwords that kind of came out when he was like we're going to be an effort-based team it's all you hear the players talking about now right like you even hear them saying those cliches like um right. you know put your track shoes on and all that bullshit so it's a lot different than the boom and the bu shit it is like true tangible hey i'm hearing them regurgitate this you know what i mean like i don't care like at the end of the day when you're a coach doesn't matter what level you're on. You need everyone to buy in. You need to essentially program your players in a specific way. And I, I, I like that they're all kind of in unison and understanding, hey, this is the expectation. This is the standard. It was set. Now we're going to go into training camp like this. I can't tell you how many people actually said, 
you we need to be in shape for training camp opposed to you know because because matt Eberflus made it very clear hey training camp isn't for you to get in shape it's for you to improve as a player um you get in shape before you fucking come to training camp and you're hearing that from all the players so that's something i really like but I, to be honest like i can't say i'm loving in the first six months or whatever it's been i can't say i'm loving ryan pole's approach like i get it you want to tear things down you have to at least attempt to protect this asset. And like when it comes to receivers versus offensive line, you know, they signed Pettis, they signed Pringle, they signed Equinemius St. Brown or whoever the fuck it was. Uh, one of those receivers that didn't work out in green Bay, like they did sign a couple guys. And to me, a uh, receiver dropping a pass is nowhere near as critical as Justin Fields taking too many hits. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't like you can, put filler players like a Pettis or a Goodwin or some of these guys we've seen around a quarterback. And if, if Justin Fields is the dude we think he is, he's going to elevate their play. You're going to be able to see it. Even if, even if the yards aren't there or the touchdowns aren't there, we're going to know like, yeah, dude, this guy dropped six balls or this guy fucking just could not break out of his route, stuff like that. At the end of the day, dude, health is everything. And like Justin Fields took way too many hits. I know he's a fucking tough kid. We all saw it. We all saw it in his uh, playoff run, his his junior year or whatever in college. Like, tough as nails, but bones break. And, uh, God, that that's like the number one thing that we have right now is Justin Fields. If we don't have Justin Fields, there's no faith in this fucking franchise from anyone in the, fa- in, in the fan base. So, it's like you – I don't understand why you didn't do more to protect that asset if you knew that you already cleared the books. Like, the books are cleared for the future. You could put some money in – I'm not saying fucking sit here and pull a Jaguars and absolutely destroy your cap just so you can go all in. You don't need to do that. You know what I mean? Like, but you do, you, you could have signed a couple of players. You could have been a little bit more aggressive in terms of free agent signings on the offensive line. Well, so I, I think, I think kind of uh, the biggest thing while I'm going to give polls a benefit of the doubt for right now. Uh, but I, I guess kind of before I jump into that, I, I, one thing I would like that you said was that you're not happy. Like you're not necessarily freaking out, but you're not happy. Um, nobody should be happy right now. Like, and by I say this, like, I don't say, I don't say you shouldn't be content. I'm saying like, nobody should be happy because we don't fucking know what this team is yet. Like, we don't know enough about Ryan Pulse. We don't know enough about Matt Eberflus. Like we can praise them and we can be cool with like things that they do. We can be upset with things that they do. But, um, I do want to remind everyone, like, do not be too far on one side or the other. You know what I mean? Don't be sky is falling. Don't be everything is fucking gravy. I'm going to defend everything the Chicago bears do. And every time we sign an undrafted free agent, we're going to hype him up with a fucking highlight tape that his roommate made him in college. You know what I mean? So like, I, I kind of want a little bit of middle ground with a lot of fans. Um, Lucas, I think you are uh, really, you've always approached that really well. I feel like I have too. um, not really getting too high or too low, but, um, I guess the biggest thing is like, I have to go back to the idea that like, I need to see what we do in training camp. You know what I mean? Like I have to see what this team looks like when it's like, okay, now we're get we have pads on. We're getting fucking serious about driving in this, uh, this scheme. We're getting serious about guys who actually want to be on the field and start. Like, I want to see camp battles. Like I want to see camp battles so fucking bad. I want to see what that looks like for people. I want to see who wants to be here. And I think the number one thing, um, I'm glad you've kind of really jumped on the uh, future cap idea because I've kind of been preaching that for a while about like, we have so much money moving forward, like not necessarily to spend this year, but like, to move forward we're gonna be really well off with cap and that's like a big reason why i was happy we didn't necessarily go all in on say like a wide receiver this offseason but with that all being said like 
there needs to be there needs to be a plan. You know what I mean? Like, is this Ryan Poles trying to see what is left over from the pace era of who's going to be worth a damn to keep moving forward? You know, like what are training camp cuts going to look like? Because I think that's going to be a big uh, a big thing we forget. You know, like a lot of these guys aren't going to be here after the first round of cuts. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be significant, and we're going to see guys who genuinely want to be on the field at that point. Like, it's really easy to uh, listen to quotes from players right now who are looking good in camp. But, like, what is that quote going to sound like when uh, somebody who's been in a training camp before is busting their ass to take your spot? You know what I mean? You know, I, w- w- it's going to be like uh, pressure. Pressure is either going to create dirt or it's going to create diamonds, you know, and what are you going to be? Um, and I think that's that's really what I want to get into. This is why I've preached over and over again, and I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about it. But, like, this is why this is, like, the least favorite time of the fucking offseason because, like, just not enough is being done to show who's worth a damn. Like anyone who's played football, it's like those kind of summer camps where like, oh, yeah, everyone looks great without fucking pads. And then, you know, you get to like the third day of training camp and uh, your juniors are over there throwing up who you think are going to be starting on defense because uh, they're getting their ass kicked in pads and they don't quite know how to handle that, you know, at that point. So I really just I just need to see what training camp looks like. That's really where I'm waiting for. And that's going to kind of dictate how positive or how negative I'm feeling about both Ryan Poles and me, Matt Eberflus. I think my biggest issue though, is the fact that if you find out your O-line's fucked in training camp, um, it's too late. Like, yeah, you could still, sure. You can go sign one of those guys, but you're not going to have continuity at the start of the season. Like it's going to be, it's going to be an issue to me. Like, listen, I I've, kind of preach like yeah we need a reset like I'm 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 in line with the way you're thinking but I think things have gotten to the point now where it's like okay you're not sure why your car didn't stop but your brake light was on for six weeks you know what I mean like okay well maybe you just ran out red out of brake fluid or whatever I don't know how fucking cars work but I just I feel tell. like this is something a little <laughs> bit more foreseeable you know what I mean like this is more foreseeable like like I said it's one thing to not have a great secondary and let up a bunch of points, or it's one thing to have your pass rush not be great and you getting worked in, you know, getting your shit rocked on the run, um, having receivers dropping balls, not being great at tight end or running back. But the one thing that protects, pr- protects your most valuable asset is there's a question mark at every single spot. Like, I don't yeah. care. You know what I mean? Like, Lucas Patrick I- is the guy I have the most faith in right now, and I've watched Cody White here for a long time. And Cody Whitehair is a better fit in this system, but, like, he had a rough fucking year last year. We are taking a guy that was perennially getting abused and moving. He's been at right guard all all time. We have a fucking fifth-round uh, fifth round left tackle from a small school, and we have a fifth-round guy from last year from Missouri that played well, got injured when he came back from his injury, was getting his shit rocked. We got a second, you know, a second pick that we traded up for. And I know that's not Poles' fault or this regime's fault. We traded up for him, and now it's like, are we going to even be able to fucking use him? You know what I mean? It's it's like it is – it's foreseeable. Uh, I don't think training camp is going to explain that much about this offensive line that we already know. It can only be more positive because we already know it's the, – the bar is set so fucking low, and that's the problem, dude. Like, See, it, at any other position group, I would not care, but offensive line, I'm not a fan. See, the old – I guess I, if I can if I can flip that and defend it just a hair – if, if we're going to go to the Ryan Poles situation, this should be Ryan Poles' specialty. So, like, if he's dipping with the undrafted guys or the late-round guys or, you know, getting the fucking Dakota Dozers of the world with nobody else in the NFL is really seeing it, like, 
maybe he sees something with that. Cause like, if you look at Kansas city and kind of like the influx of random offensive linemen they've had in the past few years, cause they haven't really paid a premium to protect a guy in Patrick Mahomes who they basically handed half a billion dollars to, you know what I mean? Like, but after that fucking super bowl, they traded for uh what's it called? I know they got rid of their tackles, but they traded for Orlando Brown and they drafted a fucking guy in the first round. I think that, like, that could be something that could be on the horizon moving forward. You know, we don't, we don't quite know that yet, but that's what I'm saying. We don't know that, but what if fucking Justin Fields leg explodes before then? Well, that's, that's fine. Like it, I, well, that's not fine, but like what, <laughs> I was I'm, what say I'm saying it. is, is like we have to at least see what it looks like on the field. Like we we just don't know enough. You know what I mean? Like offensive linemen, like they they kind of do come out of nowhere in in a lot of the aspects. Like you can use a first round pick to trade for somebody that has looked good in another system, and you know maybe he comes to your system and he doesn't look quite the same. You know, there's not necessarily a lot of those like uh, Trent Williams guys just kind of sitting out there. I mean, Trent Williams was sitting out there last year, but we all know how that fucking panned out. Um, so like, I, that's the only reason, like I, that's, I'm going to drive, keep driving this point home, Luke, cause you're going to hate me for it. But like, I want to see what training camp looks like. I want to see what training camp I, can I, do I, I because like Ryan, this should be Ryan Poles' specialty. Like if this was Madden, like to anyone who plays Madden and thinks they know ball, like this is this, I'm going to come down to your level here for a fucking quick second. Um, if you're going to look at the strengths of your GM, it's going to be offensive linemen. Like Ryan Poles, that would be a number one, probably even number two with like fucking like running like run block vision something that means nothing in madden anyway but like i i don't i hate that i'm defending him this much because i hate defending anyone before i see what they do but like i'm i'm trying to get behind the idea that he has an idea of what he's doing here like this should be a specialty this should be a strong suit so like with the way it has gone i do still want to see a camp body and like i said earlier i think that's something that we already have in in the works i think we're probably paying attention to some of these guys and like the workout programs that some of these guys are doing to kind of keep an eye on things if things were to go wrong but i i really have to think that fucking ryan poles did his due diligence to kind of build the offensive lineman that we're going to get forward and you know what if it if it doesn't pan out and fucking justin fields gets starts getting his fucking ass reamed ryan poles is going to be the first person i'm going to because you're right he is the one that kind of fucking built the roster the way it is right now but we have to kind of see how this works. We need to see how it works in Lugetsi's system. You know, another thing with like even comparing our offense to Green Bay, Green Bay kind of had an influx of different types of guys moving in and out of their offensive line, and they kind of have made it work as well. Like, but they draft offensive like, linemen early and often, dude. They would do. They, I don't know about early, and a lot of the early guys don't even usually pan second out round really. picks. Like, I mean, well, like Jenkins was a second round pick, wasn't he? I. I think elgin might have been a little bit later i can look that up real quick but either but way like, like to me it's but like, just dude, like they they still looked like a competent offensive line when david bakhtiari who's the best left tackle in football was out you know what i mean like yeah no i understand i no, i understand that and i like i've preached that this system will make it easier for offensive linemen like it's not going to be hard on them ensure they could run the ball a lot and and really only put them in play pass shit like that like i, I know i understand scheme can do something but like the fact that I saw that much money on the books, if you really look at it, because I don't think Quinn uh, Whitehair and Eddie Jackson will be here by 2025, the start of that season, Justin Fields will be the highest played player, payer, player on the team as of now, right? Like they're going to make some signings next year, whatever. Um, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like you could have given someone a four-year contract with the first three years fully guaranteed and been able to get out of that fucking contract by 2026 and not destroy anything like no, like I get it. Like every dollar matters and whatever, but I have a feeling we're going to see guys like Eric Fisher and 
and fucking, um, you know, your boy Flowers and, and some of those guys. Like, we're going to see him sign for like $2.5 million for a team that's not even a contender. And then what's then, then what is the excuse? What is the like, what is the thought process? Because to me, it's like every position was picked over other than running back, really, on, on the Chicago Bears roster. And it's, it, it's like you, you address your secondary, which I get it, value. I like both of those picks, but like you addressed everything, but the most important unit that's going to, and to me, like, I, I hate to be that guy, but to me, it's an indicator. Like they're still wait and see on fields too. I, I'm sorry. Like if you really thought fields was that guy, maybe you would have thought, Hey, okay. Like we, we don't have to bust our nut right now. And, and, and we don't have to get a, a wide receiver and a left tackle and all this shit, but like you would have at least made a move or two, um, I don't know. You know, it just it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And I like their strategy too. When they, you know, you weren't able to get an Alito lineman, you traded down. You got a bunch in the fucking late rounds. Like you're hoping one or two of those guys pans out. Maybe you get a little bit more depth. So I do like that strategy. But it's just to me when you have that much money on the books in the future and you don't sign a guy that like Lakin Tomlinson that has played in that scheme forever, or J.C. Treader who has played in that scheme forever. Um, that you're going to be able to give a four-year contract to and heavily weigh it in the front. Like, I don't know. It's just negligence, in my opinion. Like, I, I think I've seen enough. Like, I don't need to make it to training camp to see our offensive line to know that they're fucking barren. They're they're pretty down in the cupboards when you're fucking worried about Dakota Do- Dozier getting injured. You know, that Dakota, Bain and Garfield, like Bakhtiari going down, you're worried about that. You're not worried about fucking Dakota, Dakota Dozier going down. Like, you, you shouldn't be at least. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm not there yet. Like I, 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 I can see, see you worked yourself into a shoot a little bit. I can tell you're getting worked up about it. I'm, I'm just well, like, what the fuck? I'm, you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, no, I, and I get it. I get it. I'm just, I'm not there yet, man. Like I have to see, like, I, like, I, I'm sick of looking at pieces of fucking paper. Like one of my least favorite, and I heard this in a YouTube video, like a little bit ago, but like one of the worst phrases ever is on paper. Like, I hate that term because it almost never pans out. That's how you end up with, like, fucking the Philadelphia Eagles having a super team and looking like dog shit. That's how you end up with, like, the New York Nets the last few years. You know what I mean? Like, teams that look great on paper, but it just doesn't pan out. And then everyone acts surprised when a team that doesn't necessarily look great on paper but has just this, like, fucking incredible built, like, like structure from both a head coaching position and, like, the ideals of, like, veteran players on the roster just kind of make a run of it you know what i mean like i don't i don't think it's crazy for some guys to pan out on this offensive line man i really i really don't like no you can't wait too long like you can't wait too long i get that like there has to be like a bit of a ticker in your head like say you know similar to like a quarterback going back to pass with an offensive line that's rough in front of him you kind of have to have like this mental fucking idea like okay if this isn't working we need to make this fucking we need to make this change now like i don't think I don't think we're going to get the Matt Nagy situation where we're going to keep pushing guys out there every single week that just are getting fucking mollywopped. Like, I think there's going to be like, if guys aren't producing, you're getting, you're getting moved, you're getting out of there. And that's why I want to see what guys do in training camp. Because if a guy's like Tevin Jenkins isn't, isn't responding, nobody cares that he's a second round pick, man. Like that's, that's what I'm seeing already, you know? And that's a lot of like the idea that I think polls has of trying to clean out the Ryan pace era from last year is like, it doesn't matter where Ryan pace drafted you. I need to see what you can do. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I don't have this emotional attachment because that's one thing that like 
I, and you know, I am a Ryan Pace guy. I, I love that he, you know, caught on in Atlanta, you know, I hope him all the best. But, like that was one thing he did a little bit too much was he held on to his guys too fucking long before making a decision. And when you have a guy like Matt Nagy, who's basically just standing on the sidelines, farting on his balls, you know, being like, Oh, you know, maybe <laughs> three games down the line, we'll make a change, you know, cause you're way too focused on the fucking quarterback on our center. You know, that's, that's going to probably stick with you a little bit. And I could see that's why you're probably, you know, I could see that being why a lot of people are frustrated with how things are going right now. But like, I need to see it in action before I can like lose it. Like it's, we're just too fresh, man. And no, you know, what? honestly, I'm, I'm not, you, dude. And I, and I agree with everything that you're saying on a front of like, I mean, what did you just describe? You just described the Ravens. You just described the Patriots. Um, even though the Patriots haven't been great in the last couple of years, you just described the Steelers. Like, not a ton of flash, but a ton of substance. I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with the slow approach. You, you, you just give me one fucking guy. That's all I'm asking for. Like one fucking guy, dude. Give me one guy that I know if he's healthy, he's not going to be a question mark on our offensive lines. I'm not asking for fucking five guys. I'm asking for one fucking guy, bro. Like well, dude, one guy and that's going to get a contract that's more than $4 million. And I'm not asking for fucking Sam Must for a right guard either because I'm not trying to fucking see that. Well, you know I, mean, I mean, hey, man, like, who knows? Maybe fucking Olin Cruz was right. Maybe he had a reason to choke out Adam Hodge. You know, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe, we were wrong. I don't know. Maybe we were wrong. But it does look like he was getting his shit pumped every single time he took the field. So, no, he, and he was. He was. There's no, there's no fucking beat. I'm okay with there. sprinkling in overachievers, guys that aren't that talented. I'm a fucking – we're lunch pail guys. Like, I'm all about it. But you cannot make a team of all lunch pail guys. You need a couple yeah. of those fucking guys that carry a little bit of uh, Bane with them. No, and you're – no, you're spot on. That's why and I know. And I know, I know, dude, I know, like, I, I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're like a broken record right now. I fucking know. Like they need to, to see what they have. I was a huge proponent in that. You have to see what you actually have on the roster because coaching was such malpractice. Like you don't really know what you have. Right. Especially with guys like Komet and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm okay with you not signing a tight end, but when it comes to the offensive line, that's like one of the most uh, translatable positions, right? If you're in the right system, if you're in the same system, um, you're probably going to translate and have that same success. We saw it with Trent Williams, right? Like we see it with, with guys all the time. So I don't know, man. I just give me one fucking guy, one guy before the start of training camp and I'll be happy. Just one guy. That's not a fucking a career backup. Like just one guy. That's not an overachiever. One guy that's actually just a stud. Yeah, well, and that's that's kind of the point I was going to make before you kind of kept going there was like, that's why Jason Peters looked like our best offensive lineman last year because he was just... Because he was the only fucking true He wasn't a fucking overachiever. He was just already that guy. Even even fucking a a fraction of Jason Peters, you know what I mean? Like, dude, I and I agree with you on that, man. Like, I want to see the Bears make a move to get a fucking body in camp. Like, I want... I, I'm hoping that we're looking at guys right now. I'm hoping that we're keeping an eye out for like what Eric Fisher is doing to fucking stay in shape, what JC Treader is doing to stay in shape. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to hope that that's what we're fucking doing. Like I would be honestly shocked at this point if we did not get an offensive lineman before the start of training camp, or at least within the first few days of training camp. Plus I really think, um, and this is something that doesn't really get discussed enough. Um, first round of cuts, you know what I mean? Some teams could kind of hit that, that, is, fucking, that, is huge, that point right? where a young guy really is playing that good. And uh, GM kind of decides, well, maybe we can save some money by cutting a guy who might be better right now, but we need to get this guy more time. You know what I mean? Because that's how we ended up with uh, Josh Sitton quite a few years ago. That was kind of uh, 
a, a during camp thing, the Packers thought they saw something a little bit better at right guard than paying what they were paying Josh Sitton, and he kind of fell into our laps. That was a that was like a top five guard in the NFL at that point, man. We had quite the combo. No, that did that did calm me down a little bit. I'm a, I appreciate you mentioning that because that's true. Like cuts is huge, and not only that, but even um, guys that were maybe like fourth, fifth round picks that don't have a guaranteed spot at a on a team like the Ravens that are stacked up at guard or something like that, and they they cut a young guy. Whatever it may be, there there cool. is some opportunities to get better in that in that sense, and and you know maybe I'm maybe I'm just being one of those impatient Bears fans, and maybe it's finally gotten to me like I've been chill for fucking six months, and not, now it's finally gotten to me because you know if you go back and look everything I've said, it has to be wait and see. You are rebuilding. You're not competing for a Super Bowl. Like like I, I have expressed all of these opinions, but it's just like. When I saw that cap number in 2025, I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, bro. Like, this thing is – I get it. You want to rebuild it your way, but you can start that process now. Like, you don't have to wait until next year to start that process. No, and I agree with you. And um, I think I think this year's number is going to change a little bit once we uh, inevitably uh, um, extend Roquan Smith. I think that will probably give a little bit more um, idea of what we can spend for the rest of the season, I guess. Because that's, that's going to happen. I feel like – I feel like I haven't Ro- heard much about that recently either. Well, I feel like things are just going like way too chummy right now for Roquan coming into a contract year where like he has the chance to be like one of the highest paid linebackers in football. If not, he's going to be the highest paid linebacker in football for at least like a year. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like things are just way too good. Like he's taken to the system. Like he has not avoided like the Chicago Bears. Like he's not avoided house hall at all. So that that makes me think that. They're, they have to be pretty close in negotiations and maybe they're just not trying to leak it because they're doing it in good faith. Um, at least that's, like I said, this is a lot of injunction. Of, a lot of actually, fucking being hyped up for shit, but like, I hate this time of the fucking season because we just don't get answers for too long. Yeah, <laughs> but to be honest, speaking of doing deals on good faith, man, I'm actually worried about Lamar Jackson because um, he's like, doesn't have an agent and going into the last year of his contract as a quarterback, um, as a, as a quarterback that runs the ball a lot and just came off an injury, like, and he's like, dude, don't get me wrong. What he's doing is like, I'm sure he is so beloved by fucking Ravens fans. You know what I mean? Cause if I had a player like that on my team, I would be very proud of him, but, um, or very just happy to have him, have him be selfless and not be worried about the business side of things and like have that faith. It's going to work out. But man, like, this guy could be passing up a really, really big fucking payday if he gets hurt and uh, the Ravens decide they don't want him anymore, you know? So I, if I'm him, like, I would I'd be pushing for that security. Well, especially with how much he does around the football, man. That's that's really the worrisome part because, I mean, if you if you know how to use Lamar Jackson, he can certainly be a fucking weapon. And, like, uh, I think the one team that if, if – if worst-case scenario and it doesn't work out with the Ravens, I think a team that would probably jump at him because I don't believe in their current quarterback would be, like, fucking Miami. Because I think fucking McDonald would fucking jump at being able to work with a guy like fucking Lamar Jackson and using him kind of uh, in that run. Kind of, kind of, that's his name, Old right? Mc, no, McDaniel. McDaniel, McDaniel had a farm. <laughs> whatever. Fucking, whatever. I try not to think of the Dolphins because I think they're going to be fucking hot garbage, but I don't know. Like, I, I could see them wanting to fucking get a really mobile quarterback because two is just fucking not. He's a goddamn statue in the pocket, but. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, this is not a Tua podcast because I've gotten into many arguments with people about how I don't think Tua is a very good quarterback. Oh, yeah, um, dude. I, I fucking, I've had Miami fans in my fucking DMs before. It's, they're, they're a real sick fucking bunch. But, um, I, to kind of like cover like a lot of what you said, like, 
I don't want to sit here and act like everything I said on this pod is going to be fucking correct. That like everything I say about Ryan Poles is going to be the way he's going to do it. Or like the offensive line is going to pound. Like, dude, I could be so fucking wrong. I just like, I fucking hate this time of the offseason so much. No, like, so do I. I just don't get the answers I'm looking for. Like, I, I like looking at what the team is doing and what certain players are doing. And then I can kind of base my opinions off of that. And with so many fucking unknowns going into training camp, like, especially with a first year regiment, like, I just don't have answers. So I can only, like, go off of, like, gut and, like, very small bits of what they say in fucking press conferences. And I hate it. I hate it. It's my least favorite part. Yeah. No, no, you're right about that. I mean, that's that pretty much does it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think I think we covered it for a while. Honestly, shit, dude, Lucas, that's a pretty good pod. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, I will say though, like, fuck, man, just get one guy. Like, if I could, if I could com- complete this whole day, or if I could give you one theme of this podcast, it's just get one fucking guy, dude. If I if I could pick one dude, give me JC Treader and oh all day yeah. But I don't guard. even know if that's in the in the realm of possibility at this point. Ogan Joby just got signed by the Steelers. Did we talk about that, or was that just no. pre-show? No, we didn't end up talking about that. But yeah, I did see that on a one-year deal too. So that's going to be another prove it prove it deal for him. Um, that kind of tells for every me, team other than the Ravens in the AFC North. That tells me that uh, tells me that um, they really fucking. Teams are really scared to give him a long-term deal after that fell through with us, so that he's going to have another prove-it deal. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I think people that's... were trying to say the Bears fucked him. Like, I get why a Bengals fan would feel that way, but it's the NFL's issue, man. They should have these physicals done before deals are signed. Um, I, that's just my personal opinion. You know, it, dude, should, it shouldn't get to the point where you give someone a guaranteed contract and they come in for a physical. Like, it shouldn't be announced until the physical's done. You know, that's just my opinion. Well, I don't I don't think the Bears screwed him at all. Like it's one thing if like Zach Miller gets injured after playing fucking some great years for you and you keep him on the payroll, you know, just to be nice considering how bad that injury was, but it's like we didn't hold any loyalty to Larry Ogunjobi. He signed he signed a contract in I'm sure his agent that he was gonna pass a physical and he didn't, yeah. you know what I mean? That's just fucking business, dude. If if your favorite team made decisions like that, you'd be burned. Like your IR would look terrible. Like, I'm sorry, man. You can't just do shit in good faith all the time in the NFL, man. It's it's a business. And that's why uh, that's why when people defend players that kind of force their way out, they say the same thing. You got to be consistent on the other side of the coin, man. It's a business. I do. You know what, though, man? I do understand the business. Like, before, you know, this Lamar Jackson thing is a perfect example. I do understand the the, the business aspect of, of players now. You know what I mean? Like, why? If, fuck, dude, if, if my job, if I just had a ridiculous quarter, and I was going to renegotiate my salary with them. Like, I, you better believe I would be trying to get the most I could fucking possibly get before there's possibly a recession or something like that. And my numbers go down. Like, yes, I'm, I'm trying to get the most I can get. Um, so I understand it. I do think it's kind of bullshit when you're on like your second year and you're already trying to push. But if you're entering that, hey, I'm a I have one more year left in my contract. Um, yeah, I, I can understand why, you know, like I can understand the Debo Samuels, especially with how often he gets utilized and how they're using him out of the backfield. He's at a way higher risk for injury. Um, you know, before you'd be like, just play, dude. It's like you're getting paid millions of dollars. But as you get older, you fucking when realize you, how bills pile up. You're like, yep, uh, get all the fucking money you can, homie. Get everything yeah. you can. Yeah, because, I mean, you only get one – you only get, like, fucking – if you're lucky, you'll get, like, 10 years to make the absolute most money you can. And then 
it's going to really cut off after that. That also applies for the non-superstar players, right? Like if you're coming off your rookie contract or you're in a Larry Ogunjobi situation, like something like that, you're on a prove-it deal. I understand that. But if you're like a fucking superstar like Aaron Rodgers um, and you're like, hey, I'm going to just fucking take everything I can from you and you're on your 13th contract extension, like then then that's when I'm like, you're a fucking scumbag because you're, you're okay. You know what I mean? Versus like million. I mean, you've seen the – the 30 for 30 broke like that money goes fucking quick there's a lot of taxes involved like you're living a certain lifestyle you have a house that you know and then you're a certain a house with taxes that are like fucking who knows 50 grand a year and 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 then the market crashes and you fucking don't have a job anymore and it's like everything you had is gone um but when you're in that upper tier of like you've been paid seven times like why are you gonna rob the team that's paid you so many times i guess just a long-winded way of saying aaron Rodgers is a scumbag well, dude, and like I, to, so we don't go too far off on this. I mean, kind of want to wrap it up, but um, with with Rogers and guys like that, what irritates me is like they'll sit there and talk about how they want to win Super Bowls and they want to do this and that, and then they will fucking demand every last cent that they can get. And it's like, listen, people can hate it all they fucking want, man. Tom Brady means it when he says it. Only one that's ever put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, and guess what? Tom Brady's going to be marketable like for the rest of his life. To be honest, dude, I when we do the Luke and Duke draft, I guarantee you, I end up getting Mike Evans because Mike Evans is one of those guys that has always done the fucking right thing and gotten guys like in his position group paid or whatever. uh, Always produced since the second he came in. For some reason, he's one of those guys that just people don't give the respect to. Man, like he's by far the best red zone threat in the last since he's been drafted. There's there's no one. You don't even—I don't even know if the fade balls use that often anymore. I feel like the only time I see it ran is to Mike fucking Evans. Like, you know, maybe sometimes Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, but like the fade used to be like the number one pass play to run. Um, what in the early two thousands to like two thousand ten, and then it it moved over to RPO and like the Devonte Adams gets thirteen touchdowns off of a fucking extended running play. Um, no one throws that fade ball anymore, but Mike Evans is, gets like ten touchdowns a year coming out of it. Dude, Mike Evans won Johnny Manziel a fucking Heisman Trophy and got him drafted in the first round. Like, there, there's wild. nothing Mike Evans can't do. But on that point, I think we're going to wrap her up because uh, me and Lucas are really really diving off the beaten path if we're talking about Mike Evans and how much of a jag off Aaron Rodgers is. But um, thank you for listening this far, if you have. I mean, you, me and Lucas are probably going to try to start going a little bit more often as uh, we're getting a little bit close to the season. We have uh, some interesting concepts uh, coming up for you. Uh, we're going to try to get some preseason games as well this year, potentially get some football games. You know, we'll have a good tailgate or something like that. Maybe we'll let you sleep at Lucas's house. Uh, um, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely possible. It's not probable, bring up, but it bring is an possible. inflatable, uh, pool toy and we'll talk. Yeah. You know, Hey, buy us thin crust and you have us in the palm of your fucking hands. It's possible. It's, definitely. Yeah. It's a lot higher probability then. <laughs> but, um, anyway, this has been barely there. This is Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke. As always, I'm joined with the jag off on the right or left, depending on uh, what your vision looks like at Lucas Betty 46, Lucas Perfetti. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Um, follow us on Twitter, rate us, uh, listen to us on wherever you where you like. Subscribe us. to YouTube. Yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, if you ever want to be included in these comment sections, man, our boy Edward Sheeran was right here in these comment sections, like he is every fucking episode, man. And uh, if you want us to name drop you, if you want us to answer your question, just drop onto the YouTube channel. You can look us up on YouTube, Barely There Podcast. You'll find us. I guarantee it. Guarantee. But, um, what's that? 
Guaranteed, I said. Guaranteed. But anyway, that's all I got. Um, Bear down. We will see you soon. Bear down.